You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Thursday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show, spent a large portion of the first hour talking about Drew Brees, comments he made yesterday morning. I actually thought when I saw the interview, I thought, oh, when, when was this? Because I didn't know Drew Brees, why he was trending. I was thinking, Drew sat down with Yahoo Finance and he started talking about the anthem. He was asked about this. He was asked about, you know, protest and the anthem. And Drew gave a long answer that we played in its entirety with the question included. He has since issued an apology. We played Malcolm Jenkins, a portion of uh, his response on Instagram to Drew Brees. And their teammates, Michael Thomas, has been very vocal about Drew Brees and uh, really being out of touch and basically saying, we don't care what you think, Drew, about this. I've given you my opinion on Kaepernick about this whole issue here, even with Drew Brees. Great respect for him. Great admiration for him. He's always been wonderful on this show. We disagree on his approach to what happened with Colin Kaepernick. Does it mean, I mean, that's you can still be friends you can still have respect for somebody if you don't agree with them. It's just that's called a relationship or that that's being a human. And we invited him on the show, but he did issue a uh, lengthy apology about maybe lack of public awareness or sensitivity with his teammates there. That's the, that's what, when you're on a team and you're a leader, you have to listen and understand what everybody thinks or feels. And I said this, and I, you know, I'll get off my soapbox, but if Kaepernick is willing to risk everything, including his life, because there were death threats, he risked his career, it cost him his career. Aren't you curious why somebody would be that passionate, that devoted, that willing to do that? Whether you agree with it or not, you still want to understand why. And when you find out more to the why... And when you have a former Green Beret who says, don't sit on the bench, kneel to show respect. If you sit, you don't show respect for the flag. And he does have military in his background. Most of these players who have done this have military in their background. Parents, grandparents, police officers in their background. Understanding why it was so important is so important. It's a time to listen. And there's nothing wrong with making people uncomfortable to listen. And that's always been my point with it. I may not like what Kaepernick did with the Fidel Castro t-shirt or socks that say cops are pigs. There are great police officers. Great, wonderful people. Can't lump them all in. Fidel Castro t-shirt, not good. Lost me on that. But everything else that he talked about, stood for, knelt for, I at least understand and I think that's all that the African, African-American community is saying. Just listen. Just listen. You may not understand, but at least try. Rod Walker, sports columnist for the Times-Picayune, the New Orleans advocate, kind enough to join us this morning. Rod, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, what's the local reaction here with Drew Brees uh, from yesterday? Um, I think you sort of saw it um, all over social media yesterday, what you saw the other athletes across the country saying. Those are the same sentiments here in New Orleans. In fact, they had a, a protest here. Um, you know, they're still protesting here in New Orleans. And there were some chants of F, F Drew Brees. And they didn't say F. They said what F stands for. And, um, you know, 
I would have never imagined that you'd hear those chants in the city of New Orleans. I mean, you know how beloved Drew Brees is here. So um, that tells you, you know, just how frustrated people were with hearing his remarks on yesterday. Do you think he's being unfairly attacked in this city? No, because I think the timing of it and, you know, it's funny you mentioned when you saw the article yesterday how you thought it was an old article. That's exactly what I thought, too. Someone sent me the, sent it, sent me the link to it. I said, this must be from 2017. And it wasn't. It was from yesterday morning. And I was just shocked because of, um, I mean, there was some, that's being tone deaf. I mean, if you look at what's been going on in this country for the, you know, for the past 10 days, I mean, it's pretty clear that we have a problem and the, the whole world is out there protesting and basically crying for help. And, you know, it's was, it was almost like he just dismissed all of that with what he said on yesterday. Yeah, I think if there had been mention of Minneapolis and George Floyd to go along with his Look, we, we don't have to agree. We don't agree. But that's the beauty of this country. We get that opportunity to not agree. I think the lack of public awareness is what hurt Drew Brees here. And if you start with, you know, it, it's it's unbelievable. It's shocking. It's a shame that a man died in front of us, uh, you know, George Floyd and what these protests and all those things. And then if you talk about your stance on the flag, OK, at least you soften that a little bit to have perspective there. And I was just surprised because Drew Brees is as media savvy as any athlete in America here. And, and it was, you know, it was disheartening because I do have great respect for him. I was just surprised. The teammates coming out, though, Rod, that Michael Thomas, Malcolm Jenkins. Um, how do you recover from that if you're Drew Brees? I think um, he took the first step this morning, you know, just by apologizing. But um, I don't think this is a quick fix. I think this is like <laughs> getting cheated on by your girlfriend or something. It takes some time to heal. And I think he's going to, uh, you know, I think it's going to take him some time. And I think I think the players may accept him quicker than the fans will, just because the players, at least they'll get a chance to be around him every day and they'll see if he's genuine and, you know, if they believe in him or not. Fans only see Drew Brees on Sunday. So for them, you know, it'll it'll be a, for the fans who were disappointed. It'll take some time for them to get, you know, back on the Drew Brees train. If I said you could sit down and ask Drew one question, what would it be? Um, I think that question would probably just be, um, what are you going to do to to show that, you know, that your apology was sincere. And I don't know what you can do. There's nothing magical because now it's it's not words, it's actions. And he has shown a willingness to help this community. Uh, you know, the view nationally is he was there and he stepped up and he donated money and he's Mr. New Orleans. And I don't know if he, he recaptures that, but it feels like there's a little bit of work that's left to be done. And I don't know if I was his business partner, marketing agent, PR person, I don't know what advice I would give Drew Brees right now. I don't either. Again, I think it's just going to be something that takes a lot of time. I think the step that he took today with his apology, you know, he didn't apologize for for hurting people. He apologized because he, he sounded like he really thought he was wrong. And, you know, you just got to hope that people believe believe in what, in what you're saying. And, again, it's his actions. I mean, he's, I mean, Drew's done more for this city than – than most people that have ever come through here. I mean, he's the most beloved athlete to ever come through New Orleans. And, um, you know, so, I mean, he gets some credit for that, and that's something that people definitely take into account. But, I mean, it's still just – it'll always be in the back of people's mind, I think. And, um, you know, 
10, 15 years from now, when we're talking about Drew Brees, you know, you have to wonder if people are going to have that. Yeah, but, you know, that might be part of his mark. Rod, good to visit with you. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Dan. That's uh, Rod Walker, sports columnist, the Times Pick of You. Yeah, I don't know. Usually what happens is you'll have a PR firm that will help you in a situation like this and say, all right, here's our strategy here. He took the first step in that strategy, and that is to issue an apology. I think as he moves forward, sitting down with his teammates to ask, why were they so mad at him? Why, why is this so passionate? And maybe it seems obvious, but you want to make sure that you give your teammates an opportunity to express their anger to you. It's probably the first start here. I don't know about the fans. You know, fans can be fickle. Maybe it's just, hey, go back there and start winning football games. But listening is probably the first step, and Drew mentions that. Keith in Texas joins us. Hi, Keith. What do you have for me today? 62240. <laughs> okay, so my question is, you know, kind of a byproduct of sports these days is getting all this access two athletes where you can ask them questions like Drew was asked. It Drew asked, I mean, they asked Drew for his opinion. He gave it. And then he was, you know, criticized and, and caught all the backlash for what he said. So at what point is the, the media and all these different outlets going to be asking athletes questions and they can no longer give their honest opinion and they have to lie because if they say no comment, the backlash comes. And the other side of that is what it sounds to me like is there's a lot of people out there in this country that are tired of not having their voice heard. And when someone gives their opinion, instead of telling them to shut the expletive up, maybe listening to, and now we're suppressing his opinion. And we're trying to get away from suppression in general. Everyone has a voice and everyone should be heard. I just, I don't understand how we're, we can only listen you can only hear one side of the fence with, without there being a problem. Well, I can listen and I can disagree, though, Keith. Drew Brees has always been able to give his opinion. I'm not, I'm not saying the Saints should cut him. I, I just disagree with his approach on it, and I disagree in having this opinion in what is going on now. That's it. It doesn't change my feelings towards Drew Brees if I see him. I invited him on the show. And if anything, to help explain how he got to this point. But, you know, he issued a statement. That's fine. But we did offer that opportunity. I'm not suppressing anybody. I want to hear. Drew Brees got a chance to say something. His teammates got a chance to say something. I didn't suppress anything. I played you the entire context of the, the question and his answer. I gave you context. Because I could just extract something and make this a whole lot worse or a whole lot better. But I'm not picking sides here. I'm giving sides. Declan in Iowa joins us. Hey, Declan. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to share a comment. Um, I'm a 100% disabled veteran, and I served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I struggle with survivor guilt that... I made it home and my friends did not. And that same flag is the same flag that they drape over coffins uh, when they bring the soldiers home. So for for veterans that have experienced that, it is troubling. 
um, when the flag is mentioned where a knee should be taken or the comments that Drew made. Love you guys. I will listen to the show all the time. Declan, do you have a problem with Kaepernick taking a knee as a, uh, as a veteran? Well, it's hard for me to say that because obviously there's a problem with – he did make a – I didn't have a problem with him taking a knee, but I had a problem with not understanding how it affects – veterans when he does something like that. I, I wish there was another way that he could have made his voice heard without doing that. Well, and and, and I understand uh, the sensitivity, Declan, and thank you. Thank you for your service. He tried to do it other ways. There, there have been attempts, and this was a peaceful protest. Like, now we see violence, and then, hey, why can't we do this peacefully? He was doing it peacefully. It's a sensitive topic. It's, it's always going to be. But if you, if you take it out of context and say he doesn't like America or doesn't like the flag, he's not standing for the flag. But it had the same vitriol when you see somebody with their hat on during the anthem or they're going up to get a beer during the anthem. Does anybody get upset at that? Kaepernick risked his life certainly his career, and what he was saying. And go back through the history books. We're not all tra- you know, created equal, treated equally. It's not. And Drew brings up his great-grandfathers or grandfathers. I'm sure that there are African-Americans whose grandfathers fought in World War I or World War II. They came home, they didn't get the same benefits, the GI Bill. They didn't set them up with housing. School, they didn't get the same benefits. But you're fighting under the same flag. And that's what Colin Kaepernick is pointing out. Okay? We can agree to disagree. But we can still listen to one another. I've already had people who, you know, and if you call in, just be respectful to Marvin. It's not, you know... It's not his job to be taking, you know, some of the things that are being said back there when he answers the phones. Just be respectful. If you don't want to listen or you're turning off the show, then do it. You don't have to call in to say you're doing that. If we've gotten to this point where you listen and you watch, now's the reason why you don't want to listen or watch anymore, then what were you doing? I haven't changed. But we don't have to agree on everything. We'll take a break here. Uh, Rex Chapman uh, wrote a really powerful column. And uh, I wanted to have him on. Former Kentucky great and played in the NBA. And I thought he had some really interesting things, some enlightening things to say about him growing up, growing up around African-Americans, dating African-Americans, just sort of everything that happened growing up in Kentucky. And uh, I, thought, I thought Rex had some really interesting points. But uh, phone calls are welcome. Just be polite when, you, if, you know, when you're talking to Marvin. He should not, this should not be part of his day. All right? Please just do that. And even chat row. Just be respectful. That's all. I'm being respectful with you. Be respectful with us. That's all. Not asking much more than that. 17 after the hour. Take a break. 
Dana White, UFC Prez, will join us a little bit later on. And uh, Adrian Wojnarowski at the top of the hour on the new NBA plans. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. I'm dropping my papers here. This program brought to you by Traeger. Taste the wood fire difference. TraegerGrills.com slash Dan Patrick Show. Also, this program brought to you by the great folks at Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. The all-new GT four-door coupe, because life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our interviews from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app. Watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG, driving performance. Rex Chapman, former NBA player, Kentucky star. And he... uh, wrote an article, it was in the Lexington Herald-Leader, and the headline is, Injustice, Double Standards, and Heartbreaking Bigotry, Rex Chapman on Race in America. Rex, kind enough to join us from Kentucky this morning. Rex, what made you write it? Oh, man, Dave. Uh, Dan, sorry. I've been on 17 different Zooms recently. Um, You know, I, I was asked a few questions the other day after uh george floyd's murder and it took me three or four days to just put my put my thoughts together uh and i i really don't want to speak too off the cuff on about this stuff right now just because i think i've said what i've said um and it's probably a little bit above my pay grade i i'm i'm just a basketball a former basketball player i grew up with uh black and white friends and all of this has just been absolutely heartbreaking. I feel a little bit broken. Drew, uh, Drew Brees' comments yesterday didn't help and certainly didn't help me feel any better. I can't imagine it made any of his peers feel any better. So we're going through a tough time. And I, I do think, and this sounds just awful to say out loud, but it's going to take white people with voices in order to to help help get us past get us past this or at least uh, make it somewhat more uh, bearable right now. This is, uh, I've not seen anything like this. And I grew up, I was born in the sixties, grew up in Kentucky for 18 years. And so I know, I know it from a a personal level, but I don't know it from, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm white. I'm white. I don't, if we're not listening to what, you know, our black friends, people of color are saying right now, and we just have our, our opinions. We're not going to make any, any progress. Yeah. I, I have echoed those same sentiments that we move on so quickly in our society that we, it wasn't long ago where you had an unarmed uh, black man who was just jogging in a community in a neighborhood in Atlanta or Georgia and got shot, murdered. We moved on. And then, you know, Eric Garner, I can't breathe. Like, we just move on. And that's, if we continue to move on, then none of this is going to matter, it feels like. And that's the sad part of all of this. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Dan. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit at a, at a loss. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. 
I'm, 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 I'm at a loss for words right now. Sorry. But it hits you pretty hard here. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's one thing I don't understand. We, we pay and I, I've started noticing this when I was young. We encourage our kids to go play and do and, and watch sports, be like that guy, be like that guy, entertainers. We'll spend our hard-earned money on season tickets to go to these games, and we worship our black athletes and entertainers. But don't bring them home. Don't come home to date my son and daughter. And that, to me, that to me is one of the it's one of the saddest things that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, I don't know. I don't know how we get past that. You grew up in Ohio. I grew up in Kentucky. And I know a lot of people that feel like white people are just supposed to marry white people. And that's the way it goes. And if you date a black person or you, you marry a black person, you're marked. You know this, and I know this. You're marked. What is that? What was the reaction when you were dating an African-American when you were at Kentucky? Not not pleasant. Not pleasant. I mean... And you're the star of the basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was all real real confusing. Look, I was just coming to school to play basketball and, and be myself. And I'd grown up, I grew up with white kids and black kids from the time I was seven or eight years old. My dad played basketball and his friends, many of his friends, um, lived in the projects in Owensboro. So I would be dropped off down there and hang with my friends in the projects, play basketball. It's where I learned to play basketball. Um, I've, I've lost my train of thought. It's all right. You know what? Let me let me change topics here. Um, Thanks. Unless, would you rather not do this? Because I, I, no, I, I want to be going. respectful. I, I look. I I know it's. Yeah. No, look, man. It, it, this is stuff that needs to be talked about. Um, w- w- my point was, I was just going to play basketball. I was a teenager, and I didn't think about the the basketball part for me was very easy at Kentucky. Very easy. I mean aside from all the conditioning and stuff you do when you, when you get to school, the actual basketball part was easy. It was the other stuff that was hard trying to live up to. And look, not only (laughs) to uh, what people wanted me to do with my dating, but you know, look, I didn't care about school. I didn't. And I should have, but I didn't, I could make good grades, but I, they wanted me, you know, people wanted me to be the all American guy, make good grades, be, uh, you know, all academic and uh, just sort of portray that all American image. And I've struggled with that my whole life because I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm just I'm just me. I'm not trying to be what you want me to be. Um, I'm just trying to be myself. And I honest to goodness, you know, Dan, I got in trouble for shoplifting a few years ago. And it again, that's it's hard for me to even say that, you know, me, or you've known me forever. I've never been in trouble. And I went down a path of addiction to where I actually stole something, but nobody's ever called me a thug. Nobody. And I played with teammates for years who were portrayed as thugs. Not a one of them had ever gotten in trouble. 
you know, I, my feeling on it was that it was, it's not about thuggish behavior. It's about whether you've got tats and cornrows. And that bothers me. I played with several guys my whole career in and out with and against who really the media always say, ah, he's a thug. He's a thug or people would say that. And it couldn't have been further, further from the truth, you know, just had cornrows, maybe some tats, uh, maybe dreads. I don't know. I do know that people are afraid of things they don't really understand. And I, I've never understood how you can look at someone and not actually want to get to know them. And listen, we can generalize all we want, Dan. You never truly know a person's pain until you've sat and talked with that individual person. Yeah. You just, you don't know what their, what their pain is. We're talking to Rex Chapman, former NBA player, former Kentucky star. Uh, I go back and I look that video that was painful for me to see that video of you shoplifting. And I'm going, I, oh, I, I had been with you and I, I, I came in that day and I just, I said, that can't be the guy that I, yeah. I've known for a long, like socialized with you. I got, yeah. I just, I, I, and then look, we have people that are close to us who have been addicts or there's an addiction or drinking or whatever it's pills. And I just said, you're no different than anybody else. You're susceptible to this, but golly, I, I still, I can't believe that's you in that video. I know, man. And I, you know, I walked around for many years, just kind of numb from, from the painkillers. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is difficult. I'm glad I'll be ready for us to talk horse racing <laughs> and basketball and maybe even John Calipari to the Lakers at some there point. You <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, I love that. When all, all of a sudden I'm going, oh, Rex has Calipari going to the Lakers. Man, did you catch grief? Oh man, did I, but you know what, <laughs> the, the, the positive about that was I was so messed up on the painkillers. I didn't really think about it. <laughs> uh, no names here. Yeah. What's the best recruiting enticement you got? Cause you're one of the, you were one of the great high school players in America. You don't have to name names. Yeah. You don't have to tell me what Kentucky gave you. But what is the best enticement you got coming out of high school? I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what you're talking about. But hypothetically, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sarcastically. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically, what could have been the nicest thing? I, I, hypothetically, one of the sweetest things, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say this because I don't even, yeah, <laughs> I don't think it was a recruiting violation. Uh, Back in the day, uh, you know, Wildcat Lodge, uh, where the the players stay, and Kentucky uh, basketball players, Kentucky stay. basketball dorm. Yeah. Um, for a while, it was just players in there, but then the NCAA said, "No, this place is too nice. You got to have regular students in there as well." So, regular students stayed downstairs. I I don't know a dozen of them. But I put my two of my best friends, Kevin and Keith Vanderpool, they're twins, grew up. We played peewee football together, high school basketball together, everything. They came and lived in the lodge. <laughs> From wait, wait, that's not juicy. Come I on. Know, I can't, I can't, what do you want? Did somebody, get... offer, did somebody offer you a car? 
I don't know. That's a I, yes. I, I don't know. No, 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 no. A they, bag nobody, of cash? Nobody offered me anything. Did somebody offer somebody you knew something? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Did you ever get a $100 handshake at Kentucky Rex Chapman? From my mom and dad. Oh, boy. Your dad, your dad didn't have $100. No, because he, lost, he bet the pick six at Ellis Park the previous day. By the way, Rex went hardship back then. Right. When you went That's early, right. you went yeah. hardship there. You know, we, you and I joke about that, you know, but let's think about that a little bit, right? At this point in time with all the race stuff. Yeah. We joke about that. Oh, there's a label uh, attached to you. It, it is, but but also it's a label. Ta- it used to be. What did it used to mean, Dan? You tell me. Well, that you didn't have money, oh, that you had to help yes. out your family. Right, right. And the reason it's interesting that I went hardship, it's not because of, it's really not because my we didn't have a lot of money. We really didn't. But. Almost everyone else who's ever gone hardship is black. You and I joke about it, and it is kind of funny and all that. I went hardship. You know, you leave early now, but hardship back (laughs) in the day meant, you know, something different, I think. I was trying to think how many white players went hardship. You know, only one that I can think of in my, and I don't know if you know, you probably do, do know this. I remember finding out one day I was getting ready to play the Dallas Mavericks. I was 18 or 19 or 20 years old rookie. And uh, I was looking through the game notes and saw where, uh, you know, studying kind of my matchups and whatnot for the night came across Brad Davis. Remember Brad Davis? Yeah. Left early. I never knew that. Did he go hardship? Well, what else do you go? Well, I don't know. I just wasn't he, he, left, uh, he left Mar- before his, he, he was left at before, Maryland. Yes, he left before his eligibility. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just remember you went hardship. I don't right. remember Brad Davis going hardship. Right, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, not a lot, but there's one now uh, that I know of, and that's Tyler Hero. Yeah. Tyler Hero. By the way, you played good defense for a change uh, on the Kentucky questions. That was, and, and you never played defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. They must have loved when they they probably circled it when they were playing the Hornets. Like, uh, oh. Go, go at him. Like Jordan, Jordan <laughs> probably went, uh, who do I? Oh, I got, oh, I got uh, Rex Chapman. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, better, better guard me on the other end, though. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the Jordan documentary? Loved it. Couldn't get enough of it. Um, you know, I know Michael's taking some grief over this, but I got to tell you, he was different, man. He was different. And uh, could you have been his teammate? Yes, I would have loved to. Do you know this? This is a something that's also heartbreaking for me to think about sports wise. Michael had gone to play baseball and I, I, I was kind of coming in my own in Washington and was having a really good year. In fact, I was about to make the all-star team. And the day that they announced the all-stars, uh, I dislocated my ankle. Prior to that, there was a deal that was basically almost done for me to go to Chicago for Ron Harper. 
and Ron had come in Michael's absence and, you know, he was kind of limping around and just, he couldn't really score like he used to. And so then I dislocated my ankle. They kept Ron, Michael came back and they went on this whole, whole damn thing. So my story's way more tragic than you know. <laughs> oh, but I'll, I'll say this, Dan, Michael, Michael, Michael called me in high school for Dean to go to Carolina. He was probably first or second year player in the league. And that was cool and everything. But then we, we had the same agent forever, David Falk. Wait, wait. So Jordan calls you. You're a senior yeah. in high school. Yeah, junior. A junior in high school. Yeah. And he says, like, like well, how does that? So mom picks up I, the phone and goes. No, no, no. Better. It's even better. Back in the day, there's only a landline, you know, in your house. And uh, me and my sister, she's a year younger. You know, the phone was a whole big deal. <laughs> and every time recruiters called, the 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 rule for my sister Jenny was Jenny had to get off the phone if a recruiter <laughs> called in. So she hated me and hated the whole thing. And uh, Michael, uh, Dean had told me Michael was going to be calling and I was home, but the phone rang. I guess she was on the phone and she clicks over and says, hello. And he says, hi, uh, this is Michael Jordan. Can I talk to Rex? And she hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> He got, he called right back, and I guess she figured it out. She figured it out. <laughs> How did you turn? So now you know why Michael lit you up that one night because you turned down Carolina. He holds yeah. grudges, Rex. No man. But the thing about that, I go to Kentucky, and then I signed with David, and then Michael and I became friends, and we played golf together. We'd go bowling together and whatnot. And what I want to say um, is that you saw the interviews that Michael gave in high school. And that he gave, you know, a couple years there at, at, at uh, Carolina. I'm proud of him, man. I'm proud of where he's come from and what he's done. He didn't have to figure out the media like I do, some journeyman NBA schlepping around the, the league. He had to learn how to be polished on camera and, and, and say things and not be inflammatory He's worked hard to, to get where he's gotten. And, yeah, I know he takes a lot of grief, and maybe rightfully so at some point. I love that man. I love Michael Jordan. <laughs> but I'll tell you one other little little story quickly. He beat me almost every time we ever played. My first year, my year in Miami, we, we beat them. Fluky game. I got 38 or 39 the year they went 72 and 10 <laughs> and we, we beat them at our place. They ended up sweeping us like we were a JV team in the first round of the playoffs, but this is regular season and I had a big game and we, they partied all night on South beach. And I know they did because I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, I had a big game and we played them again, regular season game again, about two weeks later, jump ball. And again, Michael and our friends, you know, we will play on the floor and all that, but I almost never beat him almost never. And as soon as the ball was thrown up that next meeting, as soon as the ball went in the air, he went and elbowed me right in the sternum, right. in, And I went, Oh, <laughs> And, and and then said, 
ah, it's going to be like this tonight. <laughs> and, and guess what? It was. It was. He played, I think he got like 35 and didn't play the fourth quarter, and I got like 13 <laughs> on three for 13. So He was apologizing in advance of putting a beating yeah. on you? Yeah, well, no, he, he didn't. I said it's going to be like that tonight in my head. <laughs> I was like, oh, and 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 uh, it was, you know, and then I got a good full dose of it in three – playoff games where he was all business in championship mode so <laughs> he's the best i've ever played with uh played against he's just different just different hey i love you thanks you for too, making us laugh and uh we'll talk yeah all right will. thanks, thanks Dan. that's love uh you. rex chapman former nba uh player in uh, kentucky star the uh column they wrote is uh, injustice, double standards, heartbreaking, bigotry. He wrote on race in the Lexington Herald Leader. Take a break. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. Some of the younger guys on the staff don't remember Rex Chapman as a player. And I, of course, do what I do with my kids. Google him. He was a big deal at Kentucky, and he could get up. He could shoot. Rex Chapman, here's something for you. Rex Chapman is the only player in NBA history, only player, to have played in exactly 666 career games. Stat of the day, stat of the day, tap, tap, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. Top. Jason in Nebraska joining us on the program. Hi, Jason. What do you have? Hey, Danny and the Danettes. Uh, first, just wanted to apologize. Uh, yesterday, I made you call her Rose when her name was Ruth on Ozark. So oh. I do want to see for that, but... I, I did want to just real serious. You guys do a wonderful job. Um, I, I lived in the Philippines for ten years. Came here and uh, came back home in 2015. Been watching you ever since. You guys do an excellent job, regardless of whether I agree with you every day, Danny. Um, and you're getting older, and your opinions may change. You do an excellent job. Keep it up, all of you. Um, even your crew too. You know the people that answer the phone. Well, the reason I'm calling is because. Uh, you were talking about how uh, some of the callers were getting irate and stuff. Screw it. You guys do an excellent job. Thank, Thank you, Jason. Sir. Thank you. Look, we, we can agree to disagree. I know that when the topic gets more serious, we get more sensitive. We get angrier. But look, we take the jabs. We criticize ourselves. We, you know, but let's make this a two-way street here. All right? Just civility. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Because I don't agree with you on Drew Brees' comments, does it make me a bad guy or you a bad guy? John in Wisconsin. Hey, John, what do you have for me? Hey, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, I really appreciate your guys' uh, voice in Sports Talk Radio when it comes to this stuff. And regarding the other callers and Drew Brees' stuff, I mean, we know it's not about the flag or the national anthem. And these people who are quick to jump and comment and criticize the people who protest, whether they're in the NFL or out in the streets these weeks, 
these same people who jumped to, pro, to jumped to criticize the protesters are usually silent on these racial issues in terms of institutional racism and police brutality. And I mean, this just speaks to the double standard where protesters who are reacting to a brutal police killing are high, held to a higher standard than the police officers themselves or figures in authority. And this is the opposite of how it should be. I mean, these people in authority, these, these police officers should be held to the highest standard of citizens. They're the ones carrying the guns, the riot gear. Um, and then, yeah, also based on uh, the chat row right now, I think a good poll question for McLovin would be Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter might give an interesting demographic. Oh, thing. no, 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 no. Thank you, John. You were you were on a roll there. <laughs> wow. I like the idea that the, the hand up for four quarters. Oh, yeah, that was for that years was... and years on end, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Last yeah. four years, hold yeah. your hand up for four quarters. Yeah. Josh in West Virginia. <laughs> hey, Josh. Wow. Hey, Dan. Hey, bud. Uh, Pre-COVID, 230. Right. Post-COVID, 245. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing good, man. Okay. So, hey, Dan, I just wanted to comment on Drew Beast. Um, I understand with everything's going on and the timing may be off. However, I don't think it's just by other people in the sports world being racist over his comments. I mean, he had an opinion. Oh, he's he not a racist. It. He's not. I, no, no, I mean, nobody's uh, calling him a racist. I read. On, I was read on ESPN and different um, different people's calling racist over his comments. And before I go, Dan, uh, may I give a shout out on a special occasion? All right. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to my pastor, uh, Sal, and his wife, sister Alicia, Bria, and the baby, uh, baby Scarlett. And then moving on to St. Louis next week, and they did a heck of a job pastoring grandparents after Stark. We're going to love right. them. Pastor Sal. All right. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's labeling Drew Brees a racist. I mean, we're not. It's just this is his opinion. He admits that he was tone deaf to it. He admits it. He apologized. I'm fine with that. We move forward. Just, you know, he's as he said, less talk, more listening. All right. I'm all for that. Less talk, more listening. I'll do a little talking, but a lot of listening in the final hour. Adrian Wojnarowski will join us coming up. I guess it's set. Format set for Orlando, the NBA. Dana White, UFC president, will join us as well. Two hours in the books, one more to go. Seton Pauli, Fritzy, McLovin, yours truly. This is the Dan Patrick Show.